0: You are listening to the podcast of First Baptist Church's Sevierville, where our mission is helping people move from their point of need to hope in Christ. For more information about our church, head on over to severe.church. Today's sermon, I Am the Good Shepherd, is part four in the series, I Am For You, shared by senior pastor, Dan Spencer. Well, thanks to our choir today, wonderful job. Thank you to, um, to, Joel Ogle for uh, stepping in, filling in for Pastor Scott. Thank you for being here again. I want to ask you if you'll find now in your Bible uh, the Gospel of John and chapter 10. John chapter 10. Uh, We've been looking in the last few weeks at seven statements Jesus made in the Gospel of John that all begin with the words, I am. Today we come to the fourth one, where Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Now, we uh, touched on this last week. Uh, Let's go back and think some more about what this means, shepherds and sheep and all. Uh, If you had lived in Israel in the time of Jesus, something that you would see everywhere, something you really couldn't get away from was sheep. The sheep industry was very important in the economy of Israel, not only provided food and clothing for the population, but sheep were essential in the uh, worship in the Jewish temple in Jerusalem. And so if you lived in Israel back then, sheep were just a part of life. They were absolutely everywhere. It's reflected even in the language that they spoke. In the Hebrew language, there are seven different words for sheep. Uh, wherever there were sheep, of course, there were shepherds. Uh, if you're going to raise sheep, they they have to be tended to all the time. They cannot be left on their own. And so sheep must have shepherds. Shepherds were intertwined, really, with the culture and the history of Israel. Moses was a shepherd. Abraham was a shepherd. Isaac and Jacob and Jacob's sons were shepherds. And of course, King David, as a boy, had been a shepherd. In the Old Testament scriptures, uh, sheep became a metaphor for people who needed guidance and protection and leadership. And so shepherds became the image of a a good leader, Uh, whether it was a a king or a priest. And a shepherd even became a metaphor for the leadership that God gives us in our lives. Uh, David said in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, uh, the culture for us is much different. I don't know any shepherds. I've never shepherded a sheep, never had a sheep. Uh, So it's not all that familiar to us. It's good to point out that sheep uh, or being a shepherd is not like being a cowboy. We're more familiar with that because cowboys are the heroes of the American West. We've all seen them on movies. And you know that a cowboy has to drive the herd from behind to make them, to force them to go where they're supposed to go. A shepherd doesn't do it that way. A shepherd gets to know the sheep so that they know the sound of his voice. And and so a shepherd doesn't push from behind. A shepherd goes out in front of the flock and, and he leads the sheep with his voice. And so... Uh, This image of shepherds and sheep is about leadership based on a loving relationship uh, like a shepherd does, not like a cowboy who leads through fear and force with the crack of a whip from behind. Uh, In the New Testament, Jesus picks up on that image and he says, hey, I am the good shepherd, And when Jesus said that, it was scandalous because everybody knew what he was really saying. Jesus was saying, look, I am the Lord, your shepherd. I am that king. I am that priest. I am the Lord who shepherds you. And Jesus didn't just ad lib that comment. Uh, It was from an ancient prophecy of the Messiah that went like this from Matthew chapter two. He's quoting the prophet Micah from hundreds of years before Jesus was born. Here's what he said. Bethlehem. Remember where Jesus was born? Bethlehem. Out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So Jesus said, I am that shepherd. Now, years later, the disciple Peter, who after following Jesus and being led personally by Jesus, called him the chief shepherd in 1 Peter 5, 4. Jesus is our chief shepherd. The writer of Hebrews calls him our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep. So as we've been trying to get a clear picture of who Jesus is and how he wants us to understand his identity and and why he came, we really need to go to the greatest passage in the Bible on Jesus as our shepherd, and that is John chapter 10. So we're gonna begin reading where we left off last week in verse 10, uh, and then we're gonna read 21 verses. We're gonna read a lot of scripture today from this chapter. Uh, So let's begin in John 10, Verse 10, Jesus said, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. So let me pause my reading there for a moment just to say, uh, It's good to remember that with Jesus as our shepherd, that he said in verse 10, I've come that you may have life and that you may have life abundantly. So it's good to remember that with Jesus as our shepherd, where he is always leading us, he's always leading us to life. Jesus is always leading us to what is life-giving for us, to what is best for us, to what is going to be blessing for our lives. And that's a good thing to remember when following our shepherd becomes difficult. Because there are times he leads us through dark places and and we're, we're not sure exactly where we're going. And so in those times, we need to remember We're following the one who always leads us to life. And when it gets hard and when the way is is rough and and we're wondering, Lord, why would you lead me here? We need to always remember this, that he leads us to life. And and following Jesus means obeying him step by step by step every day. And so it's good to remember when, when it's hard to do that, And when we wonder why, and when we don't have a clear picture of of where exactly he's going, it's good to remember that our shepherd always leads us to life. And uh, so I don't know who needed to hear that this morning, but uh, there it is. Verse 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, that is a hired hand, who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore, my Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it again." No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This command I've received from my father. Therefore, there was a division again among the Jews because of these sayings. And many of them said, he has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who has a demon Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Now it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem and it was winter and Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, how long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my father's name They bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep as I said to you. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father... Are one. Hmm. Now uh, our tendency, and, and I've been I've done this myself many times. Our tendency when we read this passage is to overfocus on the fact that sheep are dumb. They really are. Uh, No offense if you're a, if you have sheep or if you're a shepherd, but uh, sheep are are not that bright. The truth is without a good shepherd, sheep don't have the sense to take care of themselves. And they get into a lot of trouble. And you've probably researched this like I have. Here's what i found that uh, if a shepherd, uh, if you put sheep in a pasture, and let them graze on that grass. They eat all the grass. And then even though there may be green grass just across the way, they don't have the sense to relocate and go where there's good grass. They just eat all that grass and then they stay there and they they walk around in circles and they will even eat each other's excrement and then they all die. When there's good grass just right over there, but they're too dumb to go there. They need someone to lead them. So that's not a bad way to approach this passage. Uh, Psalm 23, David said, the Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Uh, We need that. We understand that, that as his sheep We do dumb things. Sometimes we make dumb decisions. And they hurt us. They hurt others. They lead us into all kinds of trouble. So we could go there and we could approach it like that. But the emphasis here, what Jesus said, uh, the emphasis is not on the stupidity of the sheep. His emphasis is on the goodness of the shepherd. And so let's just stay with that theme and let's celebrate God's deep and abiding goodness to us through our good shepherd. Uh, Let's just camp out right there and just brag on how good Jesus is. Okay. So let me answer this question in four parts. The question is, how good is the good shepherd? And the first thing that I would tell you is, here's how good he is. He lays down his life to save us. Jesus affirmed that fact five times in the passage we've just read. In verse 11, Jesus said, the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. In verse 15, he makes it personal. He said, I lay down my life for the sheep. In verse 17, he said it again, I lay down my life. In verse 18, he said, I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down. And so over and over again, Jesus talks about laying down his life. Now, what does this mean? Well, uh, it, it means that the death of Jesus on the cross was not a mistake. It was not that things were going along great and Jesus had his plan and then the bad guys won and, and his death was sort of a surprise. No, it was his plan all along. Jesus said it uh, long before he went to the cross. He said, I lay my life down. That means that Jesus, his plan all along was to voluntarily, willingly give his life. So when they took Jesus and arrested him and beat him and mocked him and nailed his hands to the cross and hammered his feet into the cross and then they lifted him up, it may have looked like Jesus was the victim. But he was no victim. Jesus said in verse 18, No one takes my life from me. I lay it down. And so Jesus was not the enemy of his, or the victim of his enemies. He was not the victim of his executioners. His life was not taken, it was given. Jesus did not die as a victim, but as a sacrifice. Just think of that. That's how good he is that Jesus willingly laid down his life for you. And if if this is your first time hearing this, you you probably wonder, why would he do that? Why would Jesus do that for me? And the answer is is really clear. Because it was the only way that your sins could be removed and so that you could escape death. You see, by, by God's immutable law, the wages of sin is death. For for a sin to be covered. There has to be bloodshed. Someone has to die. And here's what happened. All of us as sinners were standing in judgment. Deserving death. But Jesus steps in you see. And Jesus takes responsibility for all of our sins. And then he took our place. And he died the death that you and I deserve to die. And he did it willingly. And he did it out of love. And he did it as our substitute so that we could be forgiven and set free from the power of sin. And so when we believe in him, here's the result. In verse 28, Jesus said, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Jesus is saying, I'm laying my life down so that you can live forever and you can go free. And then Jesus brings us into a personal relationship with him. Uh, Look back at verse 14. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known by my own. As the father knows me, even so I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. So what does all this mean? Well, the word know there means a relationship of love. It's a relationship built on love, to be thoroughly known and received, to be loved. And so if that's true, here's the situation for a Christian. Well, once we come to Jesus and he saves us, then in love, Jesus Knows us as his own. And in his love, we know him. And in love, the father knows his son, the Lord Jesus. In love, the son knows the father. And we get just wrapped up in all of that deep and intimate affection that is shared between God the father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's how good He is that we get to live wrapped up in that kind of a loving relationship that Jesus brings us into when he calls us and when we are saved. That's how good he is to facilitate all that. Jesus lays down his life for us so that we could be saved. That's good, but it gets even better. Number two. How good is our shepherd? He does not abandon us when we're in trouble. He doesn't abandon us when we're in trouble. Uh, I have to go back to verse 11 through 13. Listen to what he says. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, but a hireling... He who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. So what Jesus is doing here is he's comparing and contrasting uh, the shepherd who loves the sheep and owns the sheep and cares for the sheep to a hired hand who just looks at it as a job. Verse 13 says, he doesn't care about the sheep. He's just in it for a paycheck. He really doesn't care what happens to the sheep. He doesn't care. And so Jesus is making a point that a hired hand can be like that. Uh, They just don't care like the owner cares. And this hired hand, well, he'll just bail on the sheep if it gets hard or if there's danger. I was thinking about that. I remembered uh, my friend Bill from Texas who uh, loves Krispy Kreme donuts. He was telling me one time that uh, he was passing this Krispy Kreme in Texas that was owned by a friend of his. He knew the guy who owned it. And so the hot now sign wasn't on, but but he wanted a donut anyway. So he whips in there and he walks in and he sees that those donuts are just coming off the line. Have you seen that when it happens, that wonderful shower of glaze on those hot donuts and they come through and and they're soft and delicious? And and so uh, he was happy, of course, and and he said to the employee behind the counter, he said, hey, man, I didn't know. This is awesome. But I didn't know because the hot now sign wasn't on. You ought to turn on the hot now sign. And the guy replied, man, if I turn that sign on, this place will fill up with people. I'm not turning it on. That's a hired hand who doesn't care like the owner cares. Jesus says, look, I'm no hired hand here. I'm not in it just when it's easy and when it gets hard I'm going to bolt. I'm not in this just for what I can get out of it. These sheep are mine and I love them and I'm going to protect them. I'm not going to turn and run when there's trouble. Jesus our good shepherd is so good he doesn't abandon us when there is trouble. Now Jesus talked about the wolf. He said the wolf comes and grabs the sheep and scatters the sheep. The wolf in those days was the apex predator when it came to sheep, the the enemy of the sheep. What does it mean for us? Well, for you and me, the wolf symbolizes uh, our great enemy, Satan, and and sin and death that follows him. Uh, The wolf symbolizes all that satan does to harass and 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 to destroy us things like temptation and lies and confusion and shame for things we've done in the past all of these threats to our families and threats to our faith and threats to our peace and and the wolf comes and listen jesus cares about us and he sees us when we're in trouble he sees what the wolf is trying to do, uh, in fact, uh, on another occasion matthew nine thirty six records that when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus sees it if you 're in trouble today and the wolf is harassing you. He sees it. And what does Jesus do? Well, he doesn't leave us in that situation to become prey for the enemy. He protects his sheep. He comes to us. He fights for us. He lays down his life for his sheep. That's how good, that's how good our good shepherd is. And so you can be confident of this that the wolf may growl at you and snarl at you and bristle the hair on the back of its neck and bare its teeth, but our good shepherd is not going to abandon you and he's going to fight for you. He knows what you're going through, he's going to fight for you. Uh, Number three, how good is the good shepherd? Well, he makes us part of his forever flock. Uh, here's what I mean. Verse 16, I I really like this part. Verse 16, Jesus said, and other sheep I have which are not of this fold. He was talking about uh, Jewish people. Them also I must bring that they will hear my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. So Jesus is speaking to Uh, 100% ethnic Jews here. And they had forgotten that God's plan and God's promise all through Scripture from Genesis 3 to Genesis 12 to the Psalms and the prophets, God's plan all through Scripture is that Christ comes and accomplishes something globally among all nations. It's not going to be just ethnocentric, focused on the Jews. And God's plan and God's promise all along is that his kingdom, his flock, will be comprised of people from every tribe, every race, every language, every nation on the earth. It's going to be, in the end, one big, unified, colorful mosaic of humanity. And the Jews of Jesus' day had somehow forgotten that. And so Jesus said, look, I have sheep not of this fold. Uh, There are other people groups all throughout the world, and I'm going to find them, and they're going to hear my voice and follow me. They're going to be my sheep. And in the end, there's just going to be one big, beautiful flock, and I'm going to be the shepherd. Here's what I believe. I believe that when Jesus said that, you and I were in his mind. We're part of that. Even today, that's what Jesus is doing all over the world. Through our mission team in the Philippines today, sharing the gospel there. Through people in uh, countries all over the world, places we can't even pronounce, who love the Lord and preach the gospel and, and live out their faith, and they're all uh, being used by the great shepherd to bring in these other sheep into his great flock. Just think of that. We get to be part of that mission in the world. One more thing. Uh, how good is the good shepherd? Uh, this is maybe the best, and that is that he secures us forever in his hand. We are secure forever in his hand. Verse 28, Jesus said this He said, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. So Jesus is saying this Look, once you're mine, I mean, once you believe in me and, and you come to me and you're one of my sheep, once you're mine, Nobody's going to snatch you out of my hand. There's nothing anybody can do to dislodge you from the hold that I have on you. You are in my grip, safe there, and I'm not letting go. Your salvation is eternally secure in my hand. And so what Jesus would say to you today is this, look, whatever you're going through in this life, I've got you. And, and, and however life harasses you and, and Satan stalks you and, and whatever this world throws at you, you can be sure, I've got you. I'm not letting go of you. I'm gonna be there for you. I'm gonna take care of you forever. You know what that tells me? It tells me we, we can walk through this life with confidence that no matter what happens, God's got us. He's not letting us go. We're safe in his hand. We don't have to be afraid. We can live boldly and courageously for the Lord Jesus. And and we don't have to tiptoe through the world looking over our shoulder as if somebody's gonna come get us and take away what God's done in our lives. No way. We are secure forever in his hand. That's how good the good shepherd is. Let me close with this and a verse of scripture. Uh, Your soul needs a shepherd. Your soul needs a shepherd. You need somebody to guide your life. And Jesus is that good shepherd. Here's why I say that. Because left on our own, we never lead ourselves to life. The book of Proverbs says, That there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. We only get ourselves into trouble and pursue things that do not give us life. They may promise life, but they're not life-giving. The only way we find life is to hear the voice of Jesus and follow Him as our shepherd, and He leads us to abundant life. And so I'm just saying, your soul needs a shepherd. I love what Peter said in 1 Peter 2.25. He said, For you were like sheep going astray, but you have now returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. That's what you need. That's what I need. Tell me, once we're in the flock Why do we still try to pursue other things to give us happiness and satisfaction when only Jesus can do that? We need to get close to the shepherd and just draw near to him and follow his voice every day. And then... uh, I couldn't get away from this as I was studying this. From this passage that we've read, I also hear a call to unity. That if there's one flock and one shepherd in the end, why don't we live like that now? We need to come together. Stop being so hard on each other. Show each other some grace. Grace. Help the ones who are falling down and lift up the ones who are weak and and encourage one another and come together. That's the only way we're going to fulfill the mission that our shepherd has given us. And so uh, there's a call to unity here and and I hope you'll answer it today. Uh, Let's all stand together and uh, I just want to have a time of prayer and commitment. Uh, Brother Joel is going to come and lead us in a song. Our pastors are going to be standing here. Uh, Ready to pray with anyone who might come today. And uh, here's the thing if you're lost in your sin and you're not a part of the flock, listen, you need the Good Shepherd. I'm going to encourage you to call on him today for salvation. Do you believe that Jesus really did lay down his life for you? That he died in your place so that you could be forgiven and set free? And if so, listen, call on Him for salvation. If you're hearing His voice, call back, Yes, Jesus, save me. And a brand new life will begin. Let's pray about it. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word and for the truth we find here that the Lord Jesus is our Good Shepherd who gave His life for us Lord, if there's anyone here who's lost in their sin, I pray that right now they would just call on you. Jesus, save me now. Lord, as you're calling out, I pray they would follow your voice and be saved today. If that's you, would you just call on Jesus? Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm outside of your flock, but I want to be inside. I want... I want that forgiveness of sin and I believe that you died to give it to me and I trust you as my Lord and Savior right now. If that's you, call on the Lord like that and be saved today. And Heavenly Father, I I pray for the rest of us that you would help us to come together as never before in unity, to show the world how good you are in the way we love, and the way we treat each other. We ask that you'd have your way and your will right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and share. And if you want a pastor to follow up with you regarding today's message, reach out to us at severe.church slash follow up. Thanks again for joining us on the First Baptist Church Severeville podcast.